God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. I must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, Biden put on a uh, infrastructure speech yesterday and was barking up a, a storm saying, government, the government. And uh, then he would uh, ramble and mumble and stutter uh, all the while all these um, these border investments seem to be helping out Biden-connected uh, Corporations, people that are connected with the Bidens, are getting these big government contracts. So there's a lot of different things going on there. But, uh, you know, this whole age of wokeism and this whole age of censorship and vaccines, uh, passports, and so many of these other things with respect to election integrity and the two standards of justice are all a big part of what we're dealing with these days. Um, And it was kind of funny because uh, in response to Biden, of course, Kirsten Gillibrand, she uh, tweeted out, and people are mocking her for it, she tweeted out, paid leave is infrastructure, child care is infrastructure, caregiving is infrastructure, infrastructure. And so Kat Turd says, A chair is infrastructure. Grass is infrastructure. A dog is infrastructure. The sky is infrastructure. Pretending to be a liberal is fun. And another person uh, weighed in and said something about bacon um, that was pretty funny. And then somebody else wrote in, Why is Biden yelling about how we've declined in the last 25 years? Wasn't he part of those? So how in the world did the guy get $81 million after running the country into the ground? Apparently, I mean, he thinks that we've been on the decline for 25 years. Hasn't he sort of been at the top of the top? Hasn't he been vice president for eight of those years? Wasn't he 
a senator, a leading senator, and a presidential candidate for the rest of those years? Yet, he has the nerve to say that America's on the decline for the last 25 years and we're supposed to go back to the well and endorse his decision-making? There's no way the guy got 81 million votes. No way. Did he get that? I don't care what Mark Elias says about H.R. 1. Uh, he endorsed it. He wants more election fraud. We want more election integrity. Retired Orrin G. Hatch says, Bacon is infrastructure. <laughs> and I think that's the real Orrin. No, that, that, that can't be the real Orrin Hatch. Unofficial account. But he says, Bacon is infrastructure. That was his response to Kirsten Gillibrand saying paid leave is infrastructure, child care is infrastructure, caregiving is infrastructure. Basically, what they're turning around to say is this infrastructure builds a slush fund to kick kick back and pay off all the different unions and all the different lobbying groups and all the different different, uh, organizations that that uh, Biden owes so much to. You know, um, Mike, Mike Pence plans on releasing a memoir in 2023. And the question was, what should it be titled? And someone wrote, I'm a traitor and I don't care, but I love this one. Okay, so Mike Pence, he's, he plans on releasing a memoir in 2023. What do you think it should be called? And I love this response. This response was, why Mueller and the FBI went after everyone around Trump except for me? Think about that. Why is it that Pence was never looked into for anything? And the other part is when they uh, wrote that secret uh, anonymous to the New York Times, they uh, they use the word lodestar. Now I'm beginning to think, well, he more than likely wrote that. At the time, there's no way I would have ever believed that Pence would have turned on him, turned on Trump. But now I have to say I was wrong about that. And I think that the what what came out in later years, the revelation that, you know, and it was not clear. And anytime it's not clear and it's fuzzy and it's ambiguous, who did it? Uh, these people self-proclaiming, if 10 people say I did it, you still don't know who did it. But you're let to believe that, oh, well, it's definitely not Pence. I actually now believe it was Pence. But some other people said, no, I did it. I was the one. They're basically taking the hit because they're trying to protect a presidential candidate, uh, presidential run in terms of Pence. I have news for you. (laughs) Pence is not going to come close to winning a nomination. I never thought that square suit dude was a good choice to begin with. If I ever have one problem with Donald Trump, 
It's who he surrounded himself with. I thought there was a method to the madness, and it turns out, no, it was just Washington, D.C. madness. You know, that Dan Coates and, and Gina Haspel and Christopher Ray and even Bill Barr. I'm like, Bill Barr was a guy for, with the Bushes. Even Kavanaugh, you know, was connected with the Bushes and the Clintons and weighed in on the Vince Foster BS hoax. I mean, Vince Foster was murdered. They said he killed himself. And Kavanaugh was involved with that. So I, I never really liked those decisions in terms of hiring Gina Haspel or Christopher Ray or Dan Coates to be part of our intelligence apparatus. And not getting more involved and fighting back in a more, a more aggressive way. And now we have the Democrats just basically laughing all the way to the bank. You don't hear Pelosi complaining anymore. What you do here, you, you see her running with the ball. Now, there's one interesting little fraction, uh, infraction in the Democrat unity. And that is that Senator Manchin has said in no uncertain terms, in no way, shape, or form, will he infringe upon the filibuster. But again, keep your eye on Joe Manchin. That's what he says to keep his seat in West Virginia, which will be coming up in a couple of years. I think, um, not sure if it's in 2022. I think it might be 2024 for him. But still, it's close enough to where people are going to remember and 40, uh, I think Trump won by won the state of West Virginia by like 35 to 40%. So it's going to be really hard for Manchin to win back his seat, especially since he voted to impeach the president twice. So I, I think that, you know, that's going to be a tough sell. He's already at a deficit. But like I say, if he could... Do something, if his vote doesn't count with the filibuster, then he's not going to be on the hook for packing the Senate and packing the court, even though he said he would never do any of those things. He's not going to be on the hook for it. So there's this wokeism, right? We've been talking about Major League Baseball. We've been talking about um, these big corporate interests. And how it is and why it is that they're getting directly involved in politics. And that Mitch McConnell has already spoken up and said, you know, stay out of politics. And Josh Hawley has now made an announcement that he's going to try to break these corporations up because they're, they're actually becoming something other than what they are. Pepsi's no longer a soda company. I don't believe Coca-Cola is not any any any, uh, any longer a just a soda pop company. These companies have tried to force policy down our throats. Yeah, and Trump is right when he talks about boycotting. We need to get organized, folks. I've always envisioned starting a, an organization uh, where you know we would put down uh, a list of corporations that we would support 
and a list of corporations that are pro-America and a list of corporations, you know, that, that are not. A list of corporations that engage in slave labor in China markets. A list of corporations that are endorsing the Black Lives Matter Marxist groups. Anybody that supports Black Lives Matter has to reevaluate what it is that they're actually supporting. Are they supporting Black Lives Matter? Because everybody is. Everybody supports Black Lives Matter. White lives, blue lives, pink lives. It doesn't matter. Everything matters. Every life matters. Babies' lives matter. Elderly lives matter. Once you get into picking and choosing who matters and who doesn't, you really end up with a, a problem on your hands. You've just made things more complicated. Well, that's exactly what the left has done throughout their history. And liberals ought to know their history. No, they want to cancel culture their history. They want to rip those Democrats off the statues that represent a constant reminder of their flawed thinking. Their flawed thinking. They were the ones that actually fought against the Union when it came to slavery. It was George Wallace in Alabama, Democrat governor of Alabama, that stood in the doorway and prevented those two little black girls from integrating into that school. And it's only now that these southern states became ruby red, and they're all run by Republicans, with exceptions. Like in Alabama, they lost a statewide Senate seat to Roy Moore lost it to Doug Dan Jones or Dave Jones, whatever, Senator Jones. Um, Doug Jones, I think it is. Because of what Gloria Allred did, playing all these fancy little dirty tricks about some sort of, a, you know, sexual harassment attack. But it works for for the left when it comes to um, manu- making up something. You never heard from that woman again. You never heard. Gloria Alward walks off the stage as soon as she wins that election for them. You know, just like Blasey Ford was trying to, you know, overturn a uh, Supreme Court nomination. I almost wish she had been successful now that I know where Kavanaugh stands on things. You know, a little crying baby uh, that... Uh, you know, was treated so poorly by the left, all of a sudden, you know, didn't stand up for much when it came to election integrity. But we have to do better. You know, these Democrats that are into wokeism are picking and choosing who they want to support and how they want to control people. And it's no different than the way they had it before. And they would dictate what they thought was best. A, a, a select few people, few people, like the top 1% of our society dictates what's good for America. I, I, I think that the person that's actually doing a lot of the, the moving and shaking in our country, the, the ones that make the wheels turn, 
It's those guys who are shoveling coal to keep the engines firing at the bottom of a big ship. Those are the people that deserve more respect. Not the people that are living up in the top upper class. You know, I'm thinking of the Titanic, but, you know, the idea is, you know, it's not those people. It's the people that keep the ship afloat. It's the people that keep the, the wheels turning. You know, today's show is going to be about wokeism, but it's going to be about wokeism from the lens of Victor Davis Hanson. He wrote a really wonderful piece over at The American Greatness that we're going to get into and delve into today. And what it's about is it's about the elite, and it's about the rich, and it's about the pompous, it's about the privileged, and it's about how they are all liberals dictating the terms of how you should live your life, whether you can protect yourself with a gun, even though they protect themselves, whether you should wear a mask on a plane or uh, engage in green energy while they fly their private jets without a mask. It's the two standards of living, two standards. And the way it is, is if I have, if I'm, if I'm a, an athlete even, and there's an athlete coming up the ranks, whether it's tennis, it could be wrestling, it could be anything. And you see this person coming, you say, whoa, that person looks like a threat. What you do is you want to put them in a box. You want to control how they, uh, their regimen, control how they are able to work out, control their environment. Put them in a box and throw away the key. And you can contain that group. You know, Assad really didn't do it much differently. He's an Alawite Shia in in Syria. And he runs a country with about 80% Sunni. Sunnis and Shias traditionally don't get along all that well. So the idea is he took away their guns. And that, that helped him sustain power by not having to worry about an overthrow. He had all the weapons. He had the the muscle. We're going to go ahead and take a caller real quick. Uh, Hey, caller, you're on the air. Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. Ah, Good morning, Scott. Yeah, what is your name? I've seen your number before, but what what is your name? Greg. From where? Yeah, Greg. California. Okay. Um. So you, you said you used to listen to uh, X-22, correct? I have uh, listened to X-22. I haven't really listened to them. That I mean, I you know, I know about them. He, he brought up something fascinating. I, anytime I heard somebody talk about Trump being Speaker of the House, I just rolled my eyes. But with everything going on, <clears throat> the, the election uh, rules being fixed and this and that, I'm pretty sure we're going to take the house in 22. And then what happens is the the majority, they vote for the speaker. And that could the be, speaker, that could be anybody. Yeah. Anybody. I thought that was fascinating. And then, you know, you just do the same thing to the criminals in the white house right now that they've done to him. And pull them out. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess up there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's uh, right now I think we need to get organized and we just need to um, get ahead of the uh, election fraud. I think if, if we got rid of election fraud, we, we would win elections handily. I don't think there would be any issue there. I don't think they have the numbers, and I don't think they have the engagement or the enthusiasm. But what they have are the the registrations and the ballots. And like I said uh, in prior uh, shows, it's it's sort of like with QuickBooks. Um, you can't create an invoice without an account. But once you have an account, you can create an invoice in QuickBooks in, in the accounting system. So basically, the only thing standing in your way from creating an invoice is you need an account. Okay, so let's just call registration an account, an ID, an ID number. Now what you do is you create a ballot. That's the invoice. So anytime someone registers, uh, they now have an account. Now a ballot can be created on their behalf, and a ballot can actually be abused or misused. Because you could actually create an invoice and pay that invoice and never mail the invoice, never email the invoice, never postal mail the invoice. You could actually create the invoice and then mark it paid and then the money goes into your account. And basically that's what they're doing with ballots. They're actually uh, trying to get as many registrations as they can. And that's what they needed to overwhelm the numbers uh, that Trump had. Trump had overwhelming numbers. And what they didn't have is enough voters to actually beat Trump. So the the math didn't even work out. Like in Wisconsin, they uh, added 600,000 registrations in the last couple of days. And that was the only way they actually overcame that state because th- that state was separated by 20,000 votes. And they were way behind. And they needed to create registrations in order to create uh, a situation where the the um, turnout rate wasn't 100%. You know, it was actually 107% or something like that. So they needed to get that down to a normal level, like 78, 90, you know, to, to, to 80%. It's crazy stuff. They're creating, oh yeah, they're creating a couple hundred thousand a month at the moment. Right, and that's that's what it was all about. And I remember <laughs> saying to myself, every time I would go on Facebook or Twitter before the election, I was like, there's something going on. You know you know how you see something, you could smell it? I said, there's something going on. I remember you saying that, I thought, too. Yeah, there's something going on with this registration. Everywhere I'm turning, everywhere I go, uh, I'm seeing, you know, sign. click this button here to register. And I'm like, there's something to that, because I went and clicked on it. I was so aware. I clicked on it. I said, well, let me see what they're doing. And I said, that's complicated. I said, this is really kind of complicated. The normal average Joe is not going to want to do that. But what they had is they had um, workers. They were going on to these forms and registering these people. They had lists, and they got these people registered. And they turned those registrations into ballots. And there was wide reporting of ballots that were actually created in the system and then received in the system as a vote, uh, a mail-in vote, the same day. Like, the thing was mailed out, 
and then received on the same day. And those were those pristine ballots, the ones that weren't even folded, that people were talking about. There were stacks of ballots that were cast as votes that were never folded. They didn't look like they had been ruffled or in the mail or treated, handled by a person. So the whole concept of signature verification and what they're talking about in Georgia and what President Trump was talking about uh, just the other day on Heather Childress' uh, show on Newsmax, he was talking about, well, you know, with Georgia, they watered it down. There's no signature verification. And frankly, there's no chain of custody. So it's a real problem. We need to get ahead of that. And there's got to be a new way to go. It's got to be either blockchain. It's got to be fingerprint analysis, eyeball analysis. It's got to be something like that. We got it. We got to go to the next level uh, for voter integrity because this whole thing about being controlled by a bunch of libtards in the back of, uh, in the in the in the IT room is not working for me. And we got to do better. And the courts need to weigh in and mandate certain restrictions or or basically mandate certain integrity. Yeah, the courts are pretty disgusting. Yeah. Right, right. Well, thank you so much, All right, sir. Thank you. You have a good morning. Take care, Greg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. You know, that's, uh, that's what has to happen. There's no, no, no doubt that we win elections uh, fair and square. It's this rigging, you know. Whatever number Trump was going to get, whatever number that was going to be, they were always going to take votes and flip them or move them or transfer them or do whatever. You cannot have Eric Coomer, the guy, one of the head IT guys, the head senior engineers at Dominion, to be doing these types of things behind closed doors without checks and balances. There's a chain of custody issue with every vote. You're supposed to be able to go in, pull the curtain, have a secret vote, you vote, you put your vote into a pile, but now you just slide your thing into the machine. And I remember when I voted, I looked up and I'm like, is that it? Did it go through? She was like, that's it. You can go about your business now. And I just went on um, with my business. There's no telling what happened with that. Did it get counted? Did it not get counted? There's no way for me to know. And you know what? The libtards out there know it. They know that I didn't know. And I'm pretty cognitive about this stuff. And I filled out the vote on a piece of paper. I thought felt good about that. But there was no signature for me there. And I just take that piece of paper, put it in the machine, a little light goes on, and boom. I'm just supposed to trust it from that point forward. And there's no way for me to know. Now, I could go online and it shows that I voted only because when I walked into the voting precinct, um, I checked in. Sort of like checking into a hotel. And I checked in and that was great and that was fine. But uh, that's where they said I voted. But I would have liked to have maybe had a little bit more information that I can verify, like a, a verification system, like a barcode of some sort. 
And they're purposely dumbing these things down and making them, uh, taking out checks and balances uh, for the for for these reasons. Uh, we got two callers. I see Julie's uh, one of the callers, um, but we have another caller that was calling calling in earlier. So we're going to take the other caller, then we're going to take Julie. So uh, I just want to let people know. All right, so caller, you're on the air. Uh, is that me? Yes. Morning, Scott. Good morning. Hey, uh, just as an aside, um, about this thing with the uh, the what was it the baseball? It's moving their uh, moving the the game. Yes. From Georgia, I I, I would like to see um, somebody who has the authority to find out who it is responsible for making that decision and pull them in front of a jury and read them the 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 voting law and have them specifically detail what it is they object to and why. Yeah, I know that would be a great question. Uh, you know, it's voter ID um, was the question, but, you know, they're moving to a city where uh, it's predominantly white instead of predominantly black, and, uh, and they're, they're talking about wokeism, but yet they're, they're acting like racists, really. And they go to a, 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 a city where um, they have tighter, stricter voting requirements than the city that they're pulling out of. You know, it's just a, it's, it's about, it's about control. And it's a, you know, Josh Hawley's on the right mark, whether he'll get anywhere with it is, remains to be seen. But somebody, somebody needs to look into these cor- this, this corporate uh, coercion. Uh, they need to, they need to look into that. Well, somebody needs to ask the question of these people. What what is uh, allowable in order to uh, maintain election integrity? What are we allowed to do? Are we allowed to check on any ballots? Are we allowed to check any signatures, anything, or just a free for all? Just whatever shows up, that's a vote. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is going to be the fight for our lives right here. I mean, because if we don't get ahead of election integrity. Somebody needs to, like I said just a moment ago, somebody needs to come up with a new invention. And it can't be these voting machines where, you know, people like Eric Krumer, you know, the IT guy that's behind this, this senior engineer there, is the one controlling it. He hates Trump. You know, he'll do anything to win an election. He made himself clear as to what his political leanings were. And weren't even leanings. There were absolute radical biases. So the point is, is that, we actually need to um, be more proactive about this response because we're not going to win this argument. Uh, but what we need to do is come up with an ironclad, foolproof solution as to uh, how we go about uh, voting these days. And, and the courts need to get well, involved first- because we actually need uh, to um, have a chain of custody. And if you can make the argument we've already, that the chain of custody is lost, but we've already seen that the we've already seen that the courts are compromised. Well, well, that but that is the fight we're in, right? I mean, we need to somehow uncompromise them. We need somebody to stand up, and we need to f- figure this out. We we have to figure out this problem, or we're we're gone, we're lost. Well, we need to set down ground rules. We need to find out what is. Are we allowed to protect our voting? Is that is that should be the first 
Yeah, I know you want to work like, your way up. You want to, to protect talk, our borders. You want to. You want to basically. Are we allowed to? Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, sorry, think, go ahead. I think what you're saying is you want to get you want to find where we're all in agreement, and at least right. make those things solid, and then and then wherever right. there are differences, let's explain our differences and see how they hold up in court. Yeah, that would make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you get to Julie. Okay. Morning, Julie. All right. <laughs> Bye, oh wait, wait, wait. Here, hold on. I'll bring her in. I'll bring her in right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Julie. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Scott, good morning. Scott from San Diego I, I, said hello to you. We haven't heard from, from he, he's from California, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, we haven't yeah. heard from him for a few months. I know. I, 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 you called last fall a lot, but then all of a sudden you didn't call for a few months. <laughs> we missed you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And poor Scott. He feels like nobody called him. Nobody loves me. <laughs> So I, I have to bug him. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Okay. So, Julie, well, thank you for calling in today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I was thinking about what the White House must have looked like when Trump came in and took over. We had Sebastian Gorka. We had Reince Priebus. We had... Um, Steve Bannon, oh my God! And then the snake, Mike Pence. Imagine they're all such strong-willed people. And Mike Pence, he's this guy that pretends he's not strong-willed. He pretends he's like a dishwat rag, and he was the most evil of all. Yeah. And and what I really find offensive is when Steve Bannon goes on his radio show and calls people who voted for Trump, the plurables. That was a name instituted by Hillary Clinton. What right does he have to demean the people that support President Trump as deplorables? We are Trumpians, and that's what we should be called. We are Trumpians, and that we can stand high. We're not going to walk around and be called deplorables. Anybody who uses that term is the deplorable. And, and as for... Where do we go from here? How can we trust any of these people unless they first prove that they aren't part of that swamp? Right, right. Now, that's absolutely true. Um, well, I tell you, I mean, that's what, sort of what we're doing, right, with buglecall.org and magapack.org. Yeah. What we're trying to do is unify our party by supporting um, an agenda and p policies um, that everybody can co you know create a coalition around, and then uh, basically uh, there's so many candidates out there that say they support these things, but then they flip. Like Liz Cheney, you know, she pretty much would support every part of our America First uh, initiatives, right? Um, or the MAGA MAGA uh, concept. I don't know a conservative that doesn't support those issues, those points of view. Um, but yet, when it comes down time to doing it, they, they're sellouts. And one thing you can't change is you cannot change greed. Greed and corruption. So, yeah, they believe the right things. But when they're dangled a bunch of fruit and carrots or whatever it is, coercion, it's coercive to them. And they'll, they'll sell out. The opportunity is too great. We'll give your foundation a million dollars if you just not vote today. 
You know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to break any laws. Just don't vote for the other bill. Just abstain. And they can do that. You know, and and it becomes a very, um, you know, there's so many, I think that there's so many good, innocent people that walk into Washington and not realize how much money is in play and they become corrupted. And as soon as they make one uh, decision that is, you know, unethical, now the person that got them to make that decision, bite at that forbidden fruit, uh, owns them and now can control them. And it's a it's like a constant layering of this. So that he's like, look, if you want a career in politics, you'll go ahead and support this. Or it will ruin you. So there's negative coercion, there's carrots and sticks all around us in DC. And uh, what we need to do is find some people that aren't going to sell out to corruption. That's the that's the issue. And Liz Cheney, I believe, is is very, very corrupt. Oh, absolutely. They all come in with a daisy on their lapel. But the problem is the minute they walk in there, all the the flowers get plucked off, and it turns into nothing but a stub and a stem. And and they all become part of that that mud. And how do we prevent that from happening in the future? And the problem with the Trump people, we gave so much money to Trump, and then Ronald McDaniel stole the money. And then when we we gave even more money to fight the election fraud after the election, she stole that too. And 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 then they had the audacity to claim that that we wanted our money back. No, we don't want our money back if it went to Trump. But it didn't go to Trump. It went to the Republican Party. That's and right. That's, that's why. That's why people. That's why yeah, people are so reticent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're going to make a donation, I wouldn't bother with WinRed. I, I, I would. Uh, I would give it to um, an organization like ours um, or others. Um, but I would give it to an organization that's basically going to hold the GOP accountable. The only way the GOP is going to actually be accountable for anything is if you actually contr- you know, uh, threaten them with money, right? So if you threaten to, to, to redirect the funds that they're getting, and, you know, and then you have organizations that can actually control, or not control, but... Um, hold accountable uh, someone like um, uh, Ronnie McDaniel. Basically, that would be a better thing. Somebody needs to be powerful enough to, con- to control or if not control, uh, to hold her accountable, to, to keep her honest, because I think she's a very corrupt person. And uh, like I, I said yesterday, how do you lose cr- with a candidate like Trump? How do you lose with Trump at the wheel? Trump is a lion. He's like the Secretariat of Horses. And all of a sudden, you're losing? Uh, that makes you a loser in my book. 2018, too. But that was mostly Paul Ryan. And then if now, if we know that uh, Mike Pence may have been the author of that article... It was damned from the beginning, because how in the world could we have ever succeeded as a, as, as a group under Trump if it was corrupt from from Mike Pence. He, and, you know, well, to this day... He was the founder of Fauci. 
To this day, I, I never understood why he selected Mike Pence as the vice presidential candidate. I, I mean, I, I know the answer is, um, yeah, they wanted Pence in there because Pence was uh, connected with a lot of people in Congress that he needed to do business with. But I, I always, always thought Pence was a poor choice. I, he was the biggest wash rag of them all. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. Well, Julie, thank you so much. I, oh, no, have a good day, and please, um, everybody stay healthy. All right. And don't take the vaccine. Oh, yeah, we got so something. What is it called? Elon Musk. Elon Musk is not taking the vaccine. wonder why that is. Oh, good for him. Yeah, good oh, you got to check that it's out. It's not a vaccine. It's it's gene therapy. And if anybody thinks that, it, oh, anybody... All the testing that was done was done on animals, and guess what happened to all the animals? They all died. <laughs> and right now, anybody who takes the gene therapy, if they're the, the victims. And we don't even know if people, people are sterilized afterwards. We don't know what cancers could be caused. We don't know what's happening to our immune system because it could be aggravated. And anytime you get a COVID vaccine after this, that's when you really get hit, and then you end up passing away. I mean, Hank yeah. Aaron, within two weeks after he got the the, the gene therapy, he died. Yeah, these vaccine passports. These vaccine passports are scary—a scary proposition all the way around. Um, but uh, thank you so much, Julie. Take care. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take care. Yep. Bye bye. All right. Okay. And we got Jonathan. Jonathan is on the Scott Adams Show. Welcome. Yes, good morning, Scott. Good morning. Being alive. <laughs> the problem, problem is when I call in and I'm on for a while, then there's five other things I want to talk about. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. Um, what I wanted, uh, the... Uh, with the, the stock market is going up now because they're having so much spending, but China just announced uh, about two, three days ago a new cryptocurrency that they're backing with gold, I understand. And even though I bet you could never get some gold out of it, um, but and the, from what I've seen, the media hasn't commented at all on this situation. And uh, so I usually when something new like this comes out, it takes about a week for the media to know what they're supposed to say. They right, that's right. Come out yeah. and say because they don't know what the narrative is, so they have to wait till they're told what the narrative is. That's absolutely true. <clears throat> yeah, people people need to realize that. It's scary that the news just won't report the news. They have to actually report a narrative. That's true. Yeah. So, um, but what I see happening is um, America is going bankrupt, and it, and the there's going to be a, a big financial crisis in about I don't know six months a year, something like that, um, because this this can't continue. Oh, there's it's, no doubt about it. I see a fi financial crisis on the horizon. There's no doubt about it. Um, the uh, way the stock markets are rising uh, in, in an artificial way. It's an artificial inflation stimulated by, you know, the the uh, government f 
checks that they're sending out, the stimulus checks. And uh, all of that is just an unhealthy way to grow. Um, And it's top-heavy. And it's artificially inflating the markets. Uh, The European market today, yesterday, uh, uh, corrected all the losses pre-COVID. And they're back you know, on, uh, they're back higher than ever now. And, uh, we're, we're going to be fumigating like that too. We're going to have probably a good market day. S and P 500 really through the roof right now. There's a lot going on with that, but it's artificially inflated. It's not a healthy infrastructure. If we had manufacturing on the rise and if we had uh, better leadership in Washington, yeah, I would have thought, um, maybe we could sustain this because I think that the key to a healthy economy is when you have a high percentage of people in the workforce. Uh, that's what you need. And producing, you know, you need your GDP up. Yeah, right, right. Right. Well, what a lot of people don't understand is the stock market is both a business market and a financial market. And it can be influenced a lot by finances with, with no underlying business changes. And in this case, they're, they're just throwing money out, and the money's got to go someplace. And it's, and they're they're saying we're going to have infrastructure spending. And uh, in yeah. the, uh, a, a side and, note on the infrastructure spending that what they should be spending on is like home insulation yeah. and and building insulation, and yeah. that would really reduce America's uh, it would it would help the the productivity. Yeah. In America, but they're not going to do that yeah. because it's all for political. Well, well, Jonathan, um, I have I have to run because I have a couple of things I have to get through before the end. I just looked up at the clock and I'm like, oh. There you go. <laughs> but Very thank good. you, thank you for calling in today. Have a good day. All right, take care. Thank you. All right, I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, these callers. Uh, so Lynn Lynn Kelly from Florida, she writes in, "You can't trust Rana McDaniel." Mitt. The Nitwits niece, evangel- evangelical votes, some Christian. Um, and uh, she, she wrote in a lot of stuff, um, but uh, she's someone who has a lot of good things to say. And then Terry from Arkansas uh, said Pence was forced on Trump just as Bush was forced on Reagan. So there's those comments. I want to read to you some tweets uh, and then I want to get to that story that Victor uh, Davis Hansen put out. And I got to do all that in just a little bit of time. Uh, let's see. Ke- Kevin Sorbo writes, 2020, guys, relax. There's not going to be a vaccine passport. Anyone saying there will be a conspiracy, uh, the, anyone saying that there will be a vaccine passport is a conspiracy theory spreading disin- misinformation. 2021, guys, the vaccine passport is for your own good. Anyway, anyone saying otherwise, it's a conspiracy theory spreading misinformation. So you're a conspiracy nut if you disagree with the, the establishment elite. Lauren Bobart says, America is not a sanctuary country. That's true. We are not a sanctuary country. Congressman, Congresswoman Mary Miller writes, was the Keystone XL pipeline infrastructure? And Laverne Spicer says, I got a laugh that Stacey Abrams worked so hard to put Biden in office only to have him cost Black Atlanta $100 million in revenue with his calls for boycotts. 
Right, but does, she doesn't care about Atlanta. She, she only cares about power and an agenda. Josh Hawley says, the Major League Baseball and the giant woke corporations keep telling Biden's big lie about Georgia and election integrity. They want to run this country. They've been coddled by government for too long. We need to bust them up. Starting next week, I'll introduce a trust-busting agenda for 21st century. That's Josh Holly. Susan St. James says, Publix, the grocery store down there that was brought up in the 60 Minutes scandal, uh, uh, misinformation campaign related to DeSantis and uh, the rollout of vaccines, Publix should sue 60 Minutes for slander. It was a deliberate lie that 60 Minutes told. And Carrie Warren says, building a party deck on the back of my house is infrastructure. Hmm. Kimberly Strassel writes, to listen to Joe Biden yesterday, you might think his proposal was actually about infrastructure rather than what it actually is. The bill, social spending, union payoffs, green energy mandates. That's what it's all about. Trisha Flanagan says, I remember a time when medical doctors believed in the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm and actually encouraged faith in the human immune system and proven therapeutics that cut death rates by 97% to tackle viruses with a 99.98 survival rate. Those were the days. Then came Fauci. Emerald Robinson says, Mike Pence plans on releasing a memoir in 2023. What should be the book title? And a lot of people weighed in. I'm a traitor and I don't care. That would be one book title. Uh, Why Mueller and the FBI went after everyone around Trump except for me. That would be the title I would choose. U.S. lawmakers break silence on forced organ harvesting in China. Forced organ harvesting in China. Hmm, that doesn't sound good. I'm not flying on an airline that prioritizes a pilot's skin color over his ability to fly a plane. That makes sense, doesn't it? United. United came out and said, we're going to be hiring mostly people of color to fly our planes. And Carrie Clemens says, you know, that's not where you want to mess around with quota-based systems. Jack Posobiec writes, in 2020, the murder rate jumped higher than any other year in U.S. history, and no one is talking about it. And Disclosed TV says, big tech companies, big dream. A shared database, this is scary, folks, listen to this. A shared database of the actions of their users beyond their platforms Once you're in and got a low score, you're out of all platforms simultaneously with just one click of a button or even better, let an unbiased, in quotes, unbiased AI make the decision. So you got an algorithm that says you got to live your life a certain way or you'll be kicked off of uh, all of these different platforms. And by the way, nothing for nothing, but Twitch is doing that. Twitch is owned by Amazon. And they're basically saying, we are now going to rate you on how you behave outside of our platform. So big tech companies, big dream. 
a shared database. They're going to get together and share their database uh, of the actions of their users beyond their platforms. And that's a quote. Once you're in and got a low score, this is called the social media scoring system, your social value. You're out of all platforms simultaneously. So basically it's like a ticket. You could be out of all the platforms simultaneously. Catturd basically said, Janet Yellen is Dr. Fauci dumb, and that's hard to do. Disclosed TV says, just in, the video portal Twitch, which belongs to Amazon, announced that users will now also be suspended for actions beyond that platform. It's the next level after this level. If you're suspended from Twitch, you won't be able to use Amazon anymore. Can you imagine? If you're suspended from Twitch, there's going to be a day when you're suspended from social media and you won't even be able to buy toilet paper. You won't even be able to buy food. Think about it. What is next on the horizon for control and censorship of your lives? Will you starve to death if you don't say the right things? I'm banned on Facebook for 30 days. And all I did was report a scientific study from a doctor that disagreed with the mainstream uh, concepts. So analysis. Biden promised fair and humane border policy. Here's what he actually delivered. And it was just, it's, it's all these different tragedies, tragic stories that you hear going on. Exclusive, ICE gave $87 million no-bid contracts to businesses with Biden ties, raising conflict of interest questions. And Joel Pollack says Joe Biden's delivery ranges between comical and disturbing government. He yells seemingly and at random, he yells government, and then minutes of mumbling punctuated by brief interludes of screaming. All right, so we are near the end of our show here. There is a article that I'm going to be covering tomorrow, and it's it's entitled um, "Wealthy and Woke." Apparently, to rant about privilege means the less you need to worry about your own. I have a big uh, concept about that that I want to talk about, and we just simply ran out of time today. But I want to get to that. Uh, it's about how the rich want to actually keep the poor and the Neanderthals away from them. Keep them out. And they're using these wokeness to actually control what people they are allowed to let in to their secret societies. We're going to talk about that tomorrow on The Scott Adams Show. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for our podcasts and buglecall.org for our nonprofit. Take care now. Just to bury my kids right up to their name.